Hey, welcome back. It's time for another episode of WVU Marketing Communications Today. Brought to you by the good folks at West Virginia University's Data Marketing Communications Program. Sits squarely at the intersection of data-driven decision-making and modern marketing practices, and that's what we're going to explore today. Can we use data to make good decisions? I don't know. We're going to ask our uh, guest host today, Whitney. Hey, Whitney, what do you think? Hello. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Okay. Hey, I don't know where you're at today here. You're usually at the world headquarters of General Motors, but it doesn't look like that today here. It looks a little uh, different. Today, I'm in a suburb of Detroit in my home office. (laughs) (laughs) They let you do that at General Motors? Come on. They don't don't let people work from home. We get to work from home. Or work remote? Yes, we do. See, That's awesome. The world has changed. The world has changed. When my my father worked for Chrysler, <laughs> boy, you had to be there at six a.m. and you stayed till eight o'clock every night here. Uh, sometimes Saturdays too here, but the world has changed. So it looks a little dreary out there, or am I just looking? Uh, there is it. Uh, the sun is shining at you, but it's actually a pretty nice day for Michigan. Is it okay? <laughs> All right, no snow, no blizzard, no nothing yeah. going on here. So no our, snow. It's supposed to get up to like fifty. So we'll take it. Wow, that's a heat wave in Detroit this time of year. What hot topics have you got to talk about today? Are we really going to find out a way to talk about data and decision making? Uh, come on, we we don't need data. We just uh, yeah, it's gonna... just good gut reactions, right? No, we're going to talk about data. <laughs> And we're going to talk about how to use it, and we're going to talk about how to align it to our sales and marketing strategies. Pretty cool stuff. So, so who'd you bring in to, uh, to, to explain all this for us here? We have Tessa, who is the VP of User Experience and Technology at Tenlo. It's a pipeline marketing company that focuses on engaging high-value prospects with relevant buyer experiences to drive results. She's been leading data-driven marketing and technology product teams for over 15 years and has successfully executed rapid testing processes across hundreds of experiments, new product launches, and omni-channel campaigns. Can't wait to hear from Tessa. Okay, Tessa, you there? Where, and where are you calling from, yes. Tessa, today? I'm calling from Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. And it is also sunny. It's <laughs> beautiful. See, defies understanding. This is March. <laughs> Come on, it's supposed to be miserable back there in both places, so... Well, it's a good day here as well, so I'm waiting to hear how you guys are going to explain data-driven decision-making. Everybody says they do it. Why do so few really do it? So, Tessa, do you want to tell us a little bit about your background and Tenlo? I think I covered a bit, but is there anything you want to highlight? Yeah. Uh, what really got me into data and data as it intersects with marketing is my experience as a software developer early on in my career and always being told sort of what to do, what was needed, and not really understanding the why behind it. And as I got more curious about why do we need these features in the software, why do some work, and why do some that are produced so beautifully never get used, it brought me closer and closer to the marketing world, and specifically to the world of testing. I made the jump to marketing uh, 15 years ago, and took my experience in software and agile and combined it with how to best reach people in the right moment and test different messages and different experiences really quickly to learn what they really value. It's a lot of fun, and uh, we've built a company around sort of scaling that for our clients whenever they want to test or validate a new product or try a new channel. We work with a lot of companies 
that have large sales organizations and are just now getting into digital marketing and discovering how much they can learn from the data. We use testing as a tool to sort of do that toe in water and not overly commit before you've learned what your audience really values, depending on where they're at in their journey. So you talked a little bit actually twice in that um, description about reaching them where they want to be reached or the value point. Why is that so important to a marketer? It's so important to a marketer because that is the moment when you get the highest engagement and the highest conversion rate. It's very tempting when you're very deep into your company's values, your company's products, the features that the product has, and promotions or events that you might have coming up to just push that out into the world and say, we got to let people know about this. But if all you're doing is pushing out into the world based on your own internal excitement, or if you're only organizing information based on how your sales team is organized or how your business is organized, it won't connect with what the customer actually needs and values in that moment. It's really important to first understand where people are in their journey and what kinds of information and answers are they looking for and then start there and then build the marketing from there. Your click-through rates will go up, your conversion rates will go up, and it will be a better experience. Does that experience vary by channel? Is one experience in one channel different than, say, like is Instagram potentially different than Facebook or is a digital ad different than a social ad? It definitely is. And it has everything to do with the person's context. We work with a lot of B2B companies and often they write off Facebook. They're like, well, we are a food service company and basically are shipping things by the case. No one's thinking about how many cases they have to order for their college or university cafeteria while they're on Facebook. And inverse of that is LinkedIn. They're most likely looking for solutions when they're on LinkedIn. Uh, Neither is always universally true. So you have to think about the context of the channel and what's appropriate. So if you're on Facebook, you're still a human being, but Putting up a message that says you should buy cases right now probably won't resonate. When you're on Facebook, you're looking to connect and social. Um, Maybe you just want to keep things top of mind. A message that has more to do with a trend or news or is very timely um, to what's going on in the world and really delivers value from this informational level will do really well in a social channel where people are just being people. And then in LinkedIn, people aren't always, again, looking for solutions. I, I feel like a lot of people default to that because they're, it's a professional network and there's a lot of your target audience. If you are a B2B company, selling to other professionals is on LinkedIn. So again, people are usually looking to connect, looking for information. So we have to think of the context of when I'm on LinkedIn, maybe I'm looking for a job. What am I really there for and what's going to resonate with me? And then the click-through the payoff after they interact with your ad has to match the headline. So if you said you're going to give them answers against the trend or against something that's really timely and relevant and in the news, they have to deliver that. Landing right on a form, landing right on a product that says contact us, will get a really high bail rate. So whenever we look at testing channels, we start with 
why do people go to that channel and what's their context first uh, and try and um, deliver value within that context. Awesome. When you're working through this and you're talking about putting your toe in the water to test and, and look at the data, what kind of data do they want to see? Does sales want to see from the marketing team? What's the judgment of success or are there times when it hasn't worked and you've changed direction? The data that sales wants to see is really high quality leads. And that sounds obvious because you can ask any salesperson and they'll be like, all I need is leads. And if you ask them, well, what kinds of leads are you getting from marketing today? They'll usually say, we're getting crap. And I, I was trying to think of a more nice word to say that, but that's literally usually what they say. They're like, <laughs> it's all junk. Marketing drives just trash into our pipeline. And there are people that are not even worth calling. And the reason that happens is the right controls aren't in place to score and qualify the user based on where they came from. So we talked a little bit about targeting people on social media and really seeking to have a deep understanding of their context and what's going to deliver value. If someone comes in and downloads a white paper, that doesn't mean they want to buy your product tomorrow. It does mean that you now have permission to talk to them a little bit more and learn from them and maybe surrounding them with more value nurture tactics would be a good thing before booting them off to sales. But I think we all very easily succumb to the pressure of, but we need leads right now. And that's where you have to balance how much are you doing and getting more people in that top of funnel? And what are you doing to better qualify them with activities that are more low funnel? Are you directly prospecting and then putting those prospects in a more content about product specs, about the maintenance of your products, maybe how it's serviced, the pricing options. And as people are responding to that, you're scoring them higher and booting them over versus if they opt out and start only looking at content, then you're pushing them back into maybe a marketing qualified lead or just a nurture lead and keeping that relationship up. What sales wants to see is that marketing knows how to differentiate between someone who needs a little more time, information, content, and relationship building versus someone who's ready to be called. And they want you to just boot them over the people who are close to that bind, who they can close, and that you have sound data and reasons for making those differentiations. From my experience in a lot of large companies, sales and marketing sit in different functions. And so you're talking about strong alignment. Do you have any tips um, to drive some of that alignment? Yes, I do. And it's this is usually we start with all of our clients. It is very challenging. Uh, that's why we like to take, we call it like a rapid testing approach and, and start small. My very first tip and our very first step is to do stakeholder interviews with your sales team. Now, they probably feel like they've already given all the information or they talked to so many people. And so it really has to organizationally work. Even if you get one person on the sales team to buy it into a good information sharing session, that's awesome. What's most effective for us is scheduling one-to-one 15-minute conversations and hearing the language that salespeople use to combat no. So when they're in the closing process and someone says no, how is a salesperson addressing that no, and what are the words that they're using? 
we also want to hear from them, what are the gaps? What do they feel like they're not getting from a support standpoint? And then we take that back, and this is tip number two, is use your sales team's challenges, language, and the gaps in your plan. Use it as a means of prioritizing it, and then use it to show how and why you're going to report on the data. They're looped into, this is how we're going to measure things for you to ensure you're getting higher quality leads. At the end of the day, if the leads don't get better, they won't care. So my third tip is always just recognize that you don't want to overburden them or get in the way. Select an activity that's going to prove a lot of high value very quickly. Uh, a lot of our clients do trade shows, so we'll usually structure a small rapid test around a show. And then that way, the metric or where we're going to see success is did higher quality, more qualified people actually come to the booth? Did the salespeople physically see and talk to more people who are going to buy and that they're going to have good deals coming out of that show? And then anyone who didn't, were we able to keep them in the loop and then serve them back up to the salespeople as, as those who they should follow up with? Every company is different. Other companies might have different very high-value activities or high-value events that work for those small tests. But that's what's really important to start building that bridge is find out what their problems are, find out how they talk about them, how they address them, what they need to say what you're going to do, how you're going to measure it, and what you expect before you start. And then three, then let them physically experience the results and the follow-up. And then that way they know the next time you do that, and maybe it's bigger or more scalable, that that line of communication is open and that marketing truly um, like has their back. We're going to go to a break now and then we can dive maybe more into the results and how you drive them back to go bigger after some positive results. So thanks. Let's take a little break. And the little break is just to remind everybody that this little conversation is brought to you by West Virginia University's online data marketing communications program. It's the first graduate program of its kind in the country, focusing on strategic thinking, critical problem solving, and informed decision making like we're talking about today. The data marketing communications program at WVU prepares you for your career by learning from top talent like we're talking with today, the innovative tactics you'll need to survive and thrive in today's new data-driven decision-making. If you want to learn more, just go to dmc.wvu.edu. That stands for Data Marketing Communications at West Virginia University. All right, back to uh, our conversation on data. Can I throw one little quick curveball in here? Is there ever too much data? I just wonder that sometimes organizations can't handle the fire hose of data that they're collecting these days. Not that more data wouldn't help, but they just don't know what to do with it. Is that ever a problem? Um, I mean, I'll start and Tessa can follow up. But yeah, yeah, I mean, we have a case where we have too much data and we've had to go back and say, okay, what actions are we taking on this data? So instead of 20 metrics, we might go back to 10 and use those 10 because we know we can take action. Tessa, what about you? Yeah, I think that I totally agree. There is a case when there's too much data. Right now, we've been spending more time in sort of the data science realm and looking at what types of machine learning algorithms or applications we can stand up to automate some of the more manual things we do. In that case, now I'm feeling like I don't have enough data or clients don't because 
the real benefits of machine learning and helping to support uh, rapid tests at scale actually needs a ton of data. More so, data. <laughs> yeah, we're sort of straddling now in that we're, what we're actually doing is more modeling, you know, and, and not full machine learning, but we're getting better at knowing what is the data, like getting better at data cleaning, basically, um, that is going to be most valuable in a machine learning model. And I think the next year we'll get there. But it's funny because I agree, like, at first it was like, this is too much data. What the heck are we doing with it? But then now we know what to do with it. And it's like, okay, now we need more of this kind of data. <laughs> and we don't have it. All right. I want to dive a little bit into what you were talking about with results and uh, at an event. So if um, you get, I'm going to call them leads for the purpose of this, but you can correct me if that's not if that's not where you want to go. But you get action by some of the participants immediately. And then you mentioned there are other ones who maybe aren't ready and you're kind of following back up with them. Are you surfacing up? from the information you've gathered from them, another targeted ad? Are you following up? Is it an email? How how are you going back to see if they're ready later? Yeah, that's a great question. So in the very first way that we get people there is we're trying to schedule as many appointments or intentional visits as possible. And we typically work really closely with the show that we're at to do that. And then afterwards, if they actually showed up and had that appointment, then they are getting a really high score in that automated thank you that allows them to immediately schedule the next meeting. If they didn't show up or if they showed up and engaged and they're new to us, like new to the list of people we got them from the show, but they didn't schedule an official appointment, they're just now in general pop, then we try and figure out where they're at by giving them uh, content at different levels of the journey. There might be something that's really relevant to that show. Like typically each show has a big topic that's sort of the reason we're all coming together is to look at these trends or look at these changes. And we'll try and have a point of view on that and then bring people into the site and then get them to opt in to be contacted again. From there, as long as they came to the site, then they're retargeted with similar content thought leadership messaging. We'll also have another piece of content that talks about how us as a company is responding to the timely event that's happening or the timely thing that was happening at the show. So how do our products and solutions kind of deliver on always being ahead of what's in market? And then the last piece is usually a featured product or do you need to validate or see our catalog or see a solution? So the people who go right into a product or solution will again be booted up as a higher, more qualified lead versus the people in the content were really just looking to get permission to talk to them again keep them engaged with our brand and keep them in that nurture funnel. Awesome. Thank you. Let's say someone's listening to this and they want to learn more about how to use data for sales and marketing alignment. Where can they go to get more information or what steps do you recommend they take? I know you talked a little bit about getting alignment, but what if you're just, wow, I really need to understand this more because I want to do it. Definitely. The first thing is once you have that lens of your own internal environment, where's the best place to start, who can be your champion. On our website, tenlo.com, we have a really rich resource section. One of the articles is about how to measure the ROI of marketing, specifically in B2B and with a sales organization. That has five steps in it um, that you can take within the context of, I have this champion, I know what challenges I'm trying to solve, I know what's going to be best for my business. There are other articles there on the different tactics that help support and that help measure over time 
and generally get started in rapid testing. But that's a place you can go to find that. There's also some really great tactical resources that we use for the specific tactics in rapid testing. I would recommend Moz for SEO and then Search Engine Land for anything to do with search, whether you're doing organic or paid strategies. We use paid search and retargeting a lot in rapid testing. Those tools, how to use them and how to get most out of them are changing all the time. So those are two great resources. And then for social, LinkedIn has some really great content. And even they bought that company SlideShare. That is one of the most underutilized resources. People in your same situation have already put together like whole PowerPoints on how to sell this into sales, how to get started on different channels, and specifically how to use LinkedIn as effectively as possible within the mix, marketing for trade shows and sales operations and support. Those are my go-tos for sort of staying on top of what's new in data-driven marketing. This is going to be our last question. What if you're a student and you want to learn more? Is there a blog you would recommend? Are there, besides the search engines and some of the platforms you mentioned, is there somewhere you can just stay up top on this information as a student? Yeah, so there's a newsletter called Smart Brief that I find really useful. I do think Boz has a great newsletter. There's another website called Inside AI, and they have a inside newsletter for every subject. It's very relevant. It's really well-curated content. I would use that. And I just thought of another one for a student. Oh, if you want to learn all the basics really quickly, there's an awesome site one month.com and we've even learned it just to introduce uh, non-technical people to technical skills because marketing is becoming a mix of knowing your customer and customer data but also being able to get more out of technology and one month.com has in one month you can learn you know the basics of python the basics of data science the basics of digital marketing and i i really like that structure for students and for after you get a job, just a great way to keep skill building and just at least know what you don't know. And do you personally have a podcast as well that might be of interest for students and others to follow? Oh, yeah, I do. Thanks for mentioning that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so I host a podcast called rapidtesting.ai, and we talk to marketers who are using data and measurement and testing specifically to reach their audiences. So, yeah, check that out. <laughs> cool. That's awesome. I think we're done for today. Really appreciate you spending the time with us and hope you have a wonderful rest of the day and week. And the sun continues to shine. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Communications Today, brought to you live from West Virginia University weekly program that sits at the intersection of data-driven decision-making and marketing practice, only on the Funnel Radio Network, for at-work listeners like you.